Welcome to Minerva's Creative Conversations, a podcast where I dig deeper into the personal journeys and professional careers of influential and successful women and how their stories can inspire others to achieve success. I am your host, Minerva Salas, and today my special guest is Dr. Jackie Black, a marriage educator and board certified coach. Dr. Jackie helps rekindle relationships with loving, amazing entrepreneurs and professionals so they feel close again. For the last 30 years, Dr. Jackie has helped her clients to learn, grow, thrive, and have fun together. Through her guidance, once distant couples now experience deeper, more meaningful connections and intimacy. Couples learn to love and feel loved. Dr. Jackie, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. It's great to be here with you today. Thank you. Dr. Jackie, you have been a marriage educator for three decades. How did you begin your journey to help couples have meaningful connections? I came out of corporate. I was managing high-rise office buildings for pension funds. Uh, When I started my career, I'm a PhD psychologist, so I was doing therapy for the first couple of years until I transitioned into coaching. And um, I had preceded, before that, um, I was working with uh, life-threatening and chronic illness, the people in the cancer community, and started working with couples. And then after that, I was working in the AIDS and HIV community because um, life-threatening and chronic illness is a subspecialty of mine. And so I was working with couples and families. And when I transitioned out of doing therapy into doing coaching, I knew that I wanted to stay very much involved with couples and the, um, the whole relationship side of coaching. And so that's what I did. And that was 1999. So that was the coaching at its infancy. And what people didn't even know what coaching was, much less relationship coaching. In fact, it's funny. Uh, I was in France at a conference I was in Stressa, Italy, and the French coaches were there the whole year. It was the European Coaching Conference. And at lunch, um, a couple of the French coaches said to me, what do you do? And I told them. And they said, people pay for that? And I looked at them. I said, yes. And she said, we would never pay for that. That's what we have our friends and family for. And yeah, and it really is true. The Europeans do less relationship coaching and marriage coaching than anybody else because they have very close relationships with their communities, with their neighbors, with their friends, with their families. And uh, they, they just think it's a, an offshoot of psychology and they don't want any part of it. It's very interesting. No, that is quite interesting. What a different perspective they have uh, versus the Americans. Interesting. Yes. Let me ask you this. As most of us know, Falling in love is easy. However, staying in love year after year in a committed relationship is very challenging to maintain. So what can busy couples do to help build and sustain a deeply loving union? The first thing they need to do, they need to know is exactly what you said, that it's easy to fall in love. And it's very, very challenging to stay in love and to stay close and connected because the relationship and the partners are assaulted by so many outside variables that they don't have any control over. 
So the thing that they do have control over is how they connect, how frequently they connect, um, the kinds of relationship um, building skills they use, celebration, ritual, learning how to have conflict, learning how to make agreements, honor agreements, how to um, set boundaries, honor boundaries. So those are what I call the essential relationship success skills. So couples need to know that love plus their own personal knowledge, we have to have really good personal knowledge, knowledge about ourselves, good partner knowledge, plus the essential relationship success skills, and that equals a lasting relationship. When you say partner knowledge, what exactly do you mean by that? Well, if my partner is late all the time, for example, uh, I have a choice. Mm -hmm. I can harangue him or her, and I can get upset and do all of that stuff, or I can say, this is a person who has a different value for being on time than I do, and sit down and have a conversation. But most of the time, people who are late are going to be late. And we have to accommodate not their lateness, but our need to be on time. I'll tell you a short story. So my darling late husband, Mark, sometimes was on time and sometimes wasn't. And, but he liked to get to an airport and run down the, the hallway and jump on the plane as they were closing the door. It made me insane. I could not do that. So I did it with him one time because I like to get to the airport three hours early. So after we did that, it was just so awful. I said to him, I cannot do this ever again. He said, all right, well, we'll talk about it. So the next trip we, we sat down and I said, I can't do that again. And he said, well, I don't want to go to the airport three hours early either. I said, okay, look, I'll tell you what, I'll go so that it's comfortable for me and you go in a way that's comfortable for you. And I'll meet you at the airport. I'll meet you in the boarding area. I'll meet you on the plane, right? I'll meet you whenever you show up. And he thought about that right. for a minute. And he said, okay, that's fine. About an hour before my car was um, coming to the house to pick me up, he came rushing into my office. I was just putting a few things in the bag. And he said, I don't want you to go without me. I don't want you to go without me. I said, then you better get a jiggle on because the car will be here in an hour. And uh, so he decided that coming to the airport three hours earlier with me was preferable to him than going in a way that was comfortable for him. He, he had that choice and he made that decision. So nobody had to force the other person into changing. We completely accepted what we each needed and, and figured out how to accommodate that. Yeah, it sounds like it's a good compromise. Well, a compromise would be leaving two hours instead of three hours. I see. Right, but what we did was we each knew what we needed and wanted and made the decisions that were aligned with that. What happened for Mark was that it was no long, longer aligned for him to go alone. So he was able to make that shift because his preference, his strong preference was to come with me so that he didn't want to go to the airport three hours early was not an issue for him anymore. Very smart man. <laughs> uh, Dr. Jackie, to come up with solutions, I believe you need to understand the problems. Do you find that many couples want relationship solutions yet do not understand the root cause of their problems? In other words, you need to know what is not working in your relationship. Is that correct? 
Yeah, but I love the way you said it in the beginning of the question that you have to agree on what the problem is. Exactly. Yeah. And you would be surprised. Well, you probably wouldn't because you actually asked the question that way, but people can't even agree on what the problem is. So you first want to identify the problem and agree that it is a problem for each of you. So you can't start problem solving unless you can agree to the problem. Then you want to understand what the problem is specifically and how you would rather it be. Because here's the other interesting piece. Not all couples want the same solution. So if I don't like what's going on and we agree that there's a problem, my solution might actually not be a good solution for you. So that is a very meaty conversation. What are the possible solutions that are, again, a good fit for me, that are aligned for me? And what are the solutions that are aligned for you? I see. So it is really important then to understand the root cause or what's causing all of these problems. And then to come up with the right solutions, either it could be different, but the, the goal is to come to some sort of um, agreement, I would say. So say, can we resolve this? Right. It's, it's a resolution of the problem. Okay. And you said root twice, and I'm, I don't quite know what you mean. So let, let me talk about about needs, because that's really what most couples fight about are needs. Exactly. So there are two levels of needs. There are surface level needs, and then there are what we call deeper level needs. And a lot of times people are arguing about their surface level needs. So I'll give you a good example. We have one car, I need the car. And I say, do you want, I need the car today? And you say, what you, I need the car today. Well, I, don't, I have to get to work. Well, I have to get to, so you have to sit down and see what the, what the surface level need is. We both need to get to work. What's the deeper level need? The deeper level need is, might be, it's raining out. It might be my work is farther than, you, than yours. You work at home, you work in the house. Um, you can take an Uber, it's less expensive than me. So we really have to figure out what the surface level and what the deeper level need is or priority. That's the other interesting thing in relationships that people often have competing priorities or competing needs. So again, we're back to in a very simple way, simple, not easy. Mm -hmm. What is the problem? Let's agree on what the problem is so we can find a solution that is a good fit for both of us. Correct. Exactly, exactly. And when a person is not satisfied in their relationship, let's just say, it is usually because the partner did not feel appreciated. Then how can you effectively communicate your appreciation and value to your partner? And how much do you need to express it? Yeah, this happens all the time that partners think that they are appreciating their partner. They think that they are showing affection. They believe that they are considerate. And the other person isn't experiencing any of that. So many years ago, I developed a couple um, interview process so that we actually sit down and we interview each other like journalists. And we say, what are some words that if you heard these words, you would feel loved, you would feel valued, you would know unmistakably that you were important to me and I cared, that what was going on for you mattered. See, those are some of the key words. Mm. Uh, if I gave you a hug or I came up to touch you in some way, 
how could I touch you in a way that would really communicate to you that I was being affectionate, that I enjoyed embracing you or kissing you or touching you in some way. So this is a very detailed interview that each person does with the other person because we're not mind readers. And what feels like being loved to you, what sounds like loving words to you might never occur to me to say. So if I know, that's partner knowledge. So if I know exactly what you can hear that will make you feel loved instantly, that will melt, so that you'd melt under my touch. There's a funny story about a, a, a couple I was working with and they did this interview and one of the questions he asked her was, what is one way, they were both very affectionate. And he said, what is one way I could hug you that would feel so yummy and delicious to you? And she said, okay, come into the kitchen. And she dragged him into the kitchen and she was standing in front of the sink. And she said, okay, stand behind me. And he stood behind her and she said, okay, now put your arms around me under my arms. Now you have to remember he was six, three and she was five, two. So he put it right. So he put his arms under her arms and she said, okay, now she took his hand. She said, take your right hand and put it here. Take your left hand and put it here. And she said, now take your face and put your nose right on the left side of my neck under my ear. And he went, what? Anyway, so she wanted to be snuggled. She wanted a bear hug from the back and she wanted to just feel the weight of his head so, and, and his body sort of leaning into her. And he said that as she was putting his body in this position, he would never have put his body in by himself. He could feel her melt under his hands. He said it was so exhilarating. It was so, it was highly sexual for both of them, which neither of them expected. You made an interesting point about saying we are not mind readers, because if you don't clearly express your needs to your partner, how will he or she know that? Right, they won't. And mind reading is the biggest expectation people have. There are a lot of expectations and assumptions. Mind reading is the biggest one and it's the biggest black hole because we can't know. That's why the interview was so much fun. Mm. Like a big surprise. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Many of us realized uh, that love is not enough. So what else do we need to have a fulfilling and happy relationship? We want to figure out how to connect. So I, I always tell partners to think about a continuum and there's a center line. And to one extent is um, not feeling warm, not feeling connected, and in fact, feeling alienated. And out to the other end of infinity, is feeling connected, loved, valued, intimate, and that you really don't ever wanna let your relationship get to halfway to the midpoint. So that's from intimacy, halfway to the midpoint. You don't wanna to get to the midpoint and you never wanna let your relationship, the energy in your relationship, the energy between you get past the center point. Uh, it's very, very hard to bring it back. And the way that we do that is to be mindful about our behaviors, about the ways that we speak to each other and the ways that we connect energetically. How do we have conversations? How do we touch each other? How do we listen? You know, there are, there are three, three ways to listen. And do our partners really feel heard? 
Are we having fun together? Are we carving out time, leisure time together? Are we taking personal time and making sure that we're taking good care of ourselves and bringing a really buoyant, healthy self to the partnership? Now, speaking of intimacy, you have stated that intimacy isn't a given because you love someone or feel loved by someone. Right. So what exactly is intimacy? Intimacy is a vulnerability. Mm. It's an emotional vulnerability. It's when we aren't guarded, right? We are open. And when I talk about emotional openness, open-heartedness, it's a little like a French window, you know, the French windows that open out. Right. And so you can take your window and you can open it a little and open it a little more and open it a little more. And so the more vulnerable you are, the more open your French window is. And the most open we are is generally when we are making love. But there has to be some uh, vulnerability and emotional openness that's not sexual, that is also very connecting, a way that we look at each other if we're out in public and a way that we enjoy each other if we're shopping or are out to dinner or we've stopped for a cold lemonade. You know, a way that we are, our bodies are connecting, our hands, maybe we're touching shoulders. There's just ways that we are um, open and the more open emotionally and physically, then the more intimacy we have. Also, it's really about being known. We can't have secrets between us. We can't be afraid that if you know this about me, you won't love me or you won't love me as much or you'll judge me or think ill of me. So we wanna get all of those things out of the way. And I teach couples how to have those conversations because holding secrets brings darkness to the relationship, it just does. It dampens, if you will, the energy. So we're all about intimacy. Think about intimacy as energy. And we're all about the, the most um, energetic, uplifted, happy, happy is a very overrated word, but joyful energy and engaged. We want to be really engaged with each other. Mm. That's a really interesting um, description of intimacy. And I can see why it's difficult for a lot of people uh, to get to that point because you have to be very vulnerable and open to your partner. Yes, you have to be willing to be known. There, people are quicker to have sex with someone than they are to really allow someone to know them, know their fears, their foibles, their weaknesses, their limits. We protect against that. Many with Love showcases totally handcrafted products that are unique and made of natural materials with delightful designs that can beautifully complement a daytime or evening wardrobe for a special occasion. The Many with Love handmade handbags are a must-have accessory for a professional, well-dressed woman who wants to feel special and unique. To learn more about these handmade products, visit miniwithlove.com. So what are some essential skills uh, that busy couples uh, can learn to improve their relationship? One of the biggest things is a shared vision. And as an entrepreneur, you know 
that your vision, the vision that you have for your company is that that's the guiding light. And there are many relationships and partners do not have a shared vision. You have to know that you're rowing your boat in the same direction. So shared vision, you want to intentionally with deliberate intention, create the space for your partner to step in and tell their personal truth, not the truth, my truth, that there is space connected with by each partner for the other to tell their personal truth, to share, to share what's going on for them, to share points of view, uh, fears, failures, successes, wins, trials and tribulations, all that stuff without judgment, without any fear of judgment. Celebration. Celebrations are so fun. Celebrations are so fun. My daughter-in-law made cookies for me um, when I was visiting that were with almond flour. And they were so delicious. And I've been craving cookies for months and months and months because <laughs> most gluten-free cookies taste like cardboard. You may or may not know that. Okay. And so she made cookies for me mm -hmm. and I did a little dance and I when yummy, yummy cookies, yummy, yummy. I love these cookies. I love you. And I was just, you know, <laughs> doing a little dance in the kitchen and waving my hands. Right, up on, right. You know, right. And the biggest smile came across her face. And she said to my daughter, your mom is really crazy. <laughs> but she really, there was something about it that she enjoyed. She really felt my appreciation. She, she felt my excitement, Right without my saying, thank you, I really appreciate your effort. That's a celebration. And so as met, and was a moment, it, it was less than 20 seconds. Mm. As, as the more we can celebrate each other and they can be spontaneous and short, they can be celebrations that we plan. And again, short, they don't have to be expensive. They don't have to take a lot of time. Those kinds of behaviors go a long way to soften our hearts and to connect us. Very well said. That relationships work when two people have the same intention to grow together, what you just elaborated on. Um, can you touch more on the how and why having the same intention as your partner is crucial to a lasting relationship? The intention is like the air we breathe. Nothing happens by accident. True. And our intention really sends a message about our commitment to the behavior to the mindset, to, you know, the action that we're taking, whatever is going on. So it, and it says to somebody, I care enough to have a deliberate intention and to make this happen. I intend to make this happen. Not that it'll happen. If it happens, I don't have, I don't really have enough time. I'll show up if I can be there. That's just not okay. And it feels, it's not just mindlessness. It feels unloving. It feels uncaring. And that's what people don't understand. In the absence of deliberate intention, intending to say things that feel good, feels like you don't care. Right. There's no middle. There's no, well, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't intend to hurt you. Well, but you didn't intend to not. I didn't intend to be late. Well, you didn't intend to be on time. Right. You have to be authentic. If your authenticity is mindful and intentional. Right. If you swing by the seat of your pants mm. or if you go with the flow, you know what I'm saying? Right. Then, then it's going to reflect, um, how can I say this? It, it's not going to send the message you want to send to your partner about how much you care and value them. It's just not. Interesting. 
Now, as the founder of drjackieblack.com, you help clients in eight time zones and 38 countries. What are some of the main differences about the expectation of marriage from couples of different cultures? So um, I send a relationship tip sheet to over 38 countries. Um, wow. Yeah. It's very, such a great question. It is more generational, interestingly enough, than it is uh, geographical. It is more okay. generational. Um, that said, in the UK, they are more um, reticent to be overtly or demonstrably um, affectionate in public, for example. Um, hmm. it, yeah. In so no, no PDA. <laughs> well, you know, very, very, very little, very little. I, I did a call, I did a dating call in an open forum Q&A. This is many, many years ago and I was doing dating coaching. <laughs> and I, and I, it was a two hour open forum, which I thought was great. You know, you get me for two hours, ask me anything in the world, right? How great is that? For free. Well, nobody was asking any questions. So I'm talking, talking, talking. And I said, look, I could talk for two hours, but that wasn't, that's not the point of the form. Right. I'm getting that there's something going on that I don't know about. So could a, somebody send me an email and tell me what it is I'm missing? So all of a sudden, the emails are flooding into my computer. And they're saying, you're in the UK. We came to listen. We don't ask these kinds of questions in public. Interesting. Yeah, an ethnocentric American. So uh, I was like, got it. So that's one thing, you know, you have to really gear some of the expectations that you have of couples. Couples in some countries, um, in Asian countries, are less likely to go out in public and practice skills, practice being together, <laughs> you know, practice having a conversation. They'll do that at home. Oh, that's You know, they'll do they'll, yeah, they'll do that at home. Um, yeah, but it basically is generational, not geographical. And um, older, I would say 60, 65 plus, mm -hmm. women expect men to pay. Uh, women expect, um, when we're not in COVID, to be picked up. Women expect you to make the first, um, that's not true across the board, but in, you know, we're just in general. There are a lot of women who like to call men who will go on dating sites and call men first. And there are many, many more that won't. You don't find that with Gen Y and with millennials. They, they don't think twice about calling each other, about chatting. Their relationships are, um, are very social and they may be social or sexual first or earlier than getting serious about mm -hmm. who are you and are you really someone who might be a good fit for me? Right. So they, they right. They're more free, more free spirited, right? Kind of. Much more free spirited, right. much more concerned about the, about the planet, about the culture, what's going on. Um, in Europe, interestingly enough, the reason that the divorce rate has gone down is that the marriage rate has gone down. People are cohabitating in astronomical numbers and not getting married. 
So they feel there's no need to have at marriage? Nope. Okay. Nope, they don't need to. And their relationships are very solid. So it is not to say that relationships aren't solid. That's interesting. There's, there's another very interesting statistic that um, in COVID by May, so this started March 13th for most of us, in, by May, the uh, traffic on the websites, on websites that did divorce, was up, traffic was up 30% downloading forms to get divorced was up 35% by, by May. Also geographically in the, in the United States, in the South, relationships went topsy-turvy faster than relationships on either of the coasts. And either of the co East Coast, West Coast, their relationships went were ch more challenged faster than the middle of the country, the Plain States. Uh, probably conservative too. Uh, people's approach to marriage in some some parts of the United States are more conservative than other people from other parts of the country as well. Are you talking about politically? Uh, conservative and the tradition of marriage. Yeah, I I, I agree. They're they be they're more committed. Correct. Interestingly enough, I wouldn't have thought that before because you have very. Um, well-educated, not that they're not in the plain states, but on the coasts, you've got, you know, a lot more high net worth people than you do in the middle of the country. Right. And you would think that they would also have high emotional intelligence and it's not true. So um, high, edu higher education, higher net worth doesn't equal higher emotional intelligence. And it's so important to understand emotional intelligence. Yes. If you are not emotionally intelligent, which is, let's just define that, that is the ability mm -hmm. to understand and be present with someone else's feelings. And the five normal natural feelings are mad, sad, glad, afraid, and guilty. It's not complicated. Mad, sad, glad, afraid, and guilty. And so you have to be able to be in the presence of someone who is emoting. I'm not talking about yelling and screaming and calling you names, but I am talking about someone who is having feelings, normal, natural, human emotions. And, and it, that needs to be reciprocated. So you also want to be someone who's comfortable in your own feelings, that you don't have a lot of the messaging, the old messaging, men don't cry and you know, all of that kind of old stuff. Uh, which is also very interesting because men today of all ages, and I say today being the last probably eight years, maybe eight to 10 years, men care about intimacy. I'm not talking about sex. I'm talking about intimacy. Men are talking about and wanting intimacy and connection equal to women. And I don't know if that's always been true because nobody ever asked them before but they are questions that people are asking and men are answering over the last eight to 10 years. So ladies, men care just as much as you do. It's not for them all about sex. Intimacy, caring, <laughs> connecting is just as important to them. Wow, oh, that's good to know. <laughs> what advice um, can you give busy and amazing entrepreneurs and professionals to help rekindle their relationship so they can feel close again? There are, there are six very easy things. Mm -hmm. um, touching, a little hug, 
uh, or a squeeze on the shoulder, okay. um, a behavior. And again, you're going to talk to each other and figure out what, what that would be. But like bringing in coffee in the morning or having a coffee chat for five minutes, that would not work for me to like have a conversation. But to have somebody bring me coffee would be great. Um, and to make time one evening or one weekend uh, to spend two or three hours together, mm -hmm. taking a walk, making pasta. It doesn't matter what you do. It's that you do it together and you're not on your phone. You're unplugged or you turn your Wi-Fi yes. off. Yes. Right? right. So that you're spending time together. There's one behavior that you do that your partner recognizes because you've agreed that is saying, I'm thinking about you. You're important to me. Here's your coffee. That's the subcontext of the behavior. Um, that you um, leave little notes or text messages or computer, something in the middle of the day so that you're touching base. Remember the old game, um, uh, pick up sticks? Yeah. So the sticks were like, they were just touching. So we're just making those intersections. Are these daily tasks we have to do? One of them every day. Okay. One of Not all six. One, one, one way to connect every day that you're going out of your way deliberately, intentionally sending the message verbally or with your behavior that I, I'm thinking about you. You matter to me. I appreciate you. And That's what you're saying. I appreciate okay. you. Yep. I appreciate you. I love you. Yes. Yes. Well, Dr. Jackie, thank you for your time and for providing our listener with, with invaluable advice on how to rekindle a relationship so couples can become lovers again. My pleasure. It's been so nice to be here with you today. Thank you so much. Thank you. To learn more about Dr. Jackie Black's relationship advice, visit her website at drjackieblack.com. I'm your host, Minerva Salas, and until our next show.